Hi, you're tuning into New Life Vietnam. Today's message by Pastor Song is God in Our Disruptions from Acts chapter 10. Thank you, our worship team. Uh, thank you, the uh, sound technician back there. It's so good to be uh, in the house here, the, the in-house speaker. I wish the same uh, to you all who are watching live stream. Hope the sound is better when we are uh, worshiping from home. Now, uh, before I invite Pastor Song uh, to come up, uh, to speak to us, and uh, Pastor Song is, uh, is not new to the majority of our church. Uh, he has been uh, pastoring, I believe, uh, in the last, I think, 20 uh, over years. Uh, he spent eight years and a half uh, in Myanmar, pioneering the churches there. Uh, pastoring the international congregation in Yangon, as well as taking care, overseeing other, all the uh, local churches in Myanmar, uh, uh, both in Yangon and other cities as well. So, um, and we just had our uh, New Life fam uh, Fellowship of Churches as you uh, join us last Sunday. Uh, you can see just a glimpse of it because we don't have all the angle camera uh, for all different congregations, but a glimpse of it, this is a family of churches, a New Life Fellowship of Churches. And this morning, uh, we have the privilege to have Pastor Song to speak to us as well. He is the father of uh, four children, and uh, the first one is, uh, his, her name is Faith. Uh, he, she got married uh, with uh, one of her uh, a young uh, gentleman uh, in Ontario, the church of Pastor uh, William uh, Lukey. Uh, he got his uh, second uh, daughter, uh, Beatrice, got married, uh, I believe, last year. If I <laughs> mistakenly, this year or last year, right? This year, this year, sorry, time flies. And uh, in the state, right, in the U.S. And uh, I guess he's counting one more to go, I guess. Uh, the youngest boy is uh, going to be staying with him, Nate. Uh, the second daughter is uh, Anthea. Uh, she study. I think she's probably graduate soon for her uh, uh, PsyD, uh, Doctorate of Psychology, in in uh, in US as well. And uh, and uh, and right now, Pastor Song uh, is about to go back to Penang, Malaysia, as I think the city open and with all the vaccination and so on, because the work is still. Uh, is going on there uh, through uh, on online uh, learning uh, because he started with a school for the refugees in Penang and he other project uh, in Penang as well. And I really, um, you know, praying and, uh, and seeing uh, he and Barbara, his wife and Nate, is going back to Penang uh, probably next week. Yeah, this coming a few days. And we just uh, continue to lift him up in prayer for the work that he, God, called him uh, to plant and sow the seed and, and, and different ministry there. And I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, be able to visit Penang in person again. Uh, but right now, we have him with us on a live stream right now. 
And so uh, please help me to welcome Pastor Song Chua to speak the Word of God today to us. All right. Over to Pastor Song. Hi. Good morning, everyone. And uh, thank you, Pastor Lap, for that uh, introduction. Thank you for your friendship. And it's true, New Life Fellowship Vietnam is uh, like family to me. Uh, it's just sad that I haven't been able to visit all of you uh, for quite a while now. But I trust um, God is taking care of you. And as Pastor Lap has mentioned, um, I believe He has taken care of you and many of you are safe and, and, you, and you're in good health. Yeah, um, yeah. so Lap, Beatrice got married in May this year. You were at the Zoom wedding. <laughs> uh, time flies, uh, Pastor Lam, and, and before you know it, you know, uh, handsome Lam will also be getting married. And uh, I tell you, it flies, man, time. And before you know it, it happens. Um, but you got it the other way around. Actually, Beatrice is the younger twin. Anthea is the older twin. And, uh, and you're right, Lab, and Anne has uh, almost graduated now from a PsyD. And I am actually trying to time my own graduation with my Doctorate of Ministry, uh, also from Fuller Seminary at about the same time. So if all goes well and I work hard and I finish my dissertation, I will be able to sort of graduate together with Anthea. Uh, so that's a bit of a motivation for me to work hard. Yeah, so um, life, I'm, I'm back in Singapore now, as Pastor Lap mentioned, and I will be leaving for Penang um, on Tuesday. Uh, just a little bit before I get into the message, uh, part of what happened in the New Life Conference, uh, you know, Pastor Maganti and myself as well, um, you know, we just wanted to uh, highlight how God works in ministries outside the church. Yeah, and often we do think about ministries as being things that we do to build the church and to bring people into the church. But we must not forget that a, a, a large part of the people will not come into our churches. And therefore, the church is called to go out to where they are. And that's what Jesus did. Yeah, Jesus came down from heaven uh, to be with us. He uh, tabernacled right, among us. He was among us. He lived among us. He became us. And in that same fashion, he sends us into the world that he loves. And so God operates not only within the confines of the church walls, but he also wants us to go out to be that salt and that light into the world that he loves so dearly and he gave his life for. And, and so uh, some of us will be called to do things like that, yeah, to go outside the church in uh, different types of ministries. And so in Penang, um, like what also Pastor Ops mentioned, we started a refugee uh, secondary school um, that has gone online. But we also decided that what's the point of uh, teaching and get, getting these uh, refugee children a diploma, um, but then they have no jobs. And so we then began to think about what sorts of enterprises that we can then start in Penang to bring uh, jobs, uh, you know, for these refugee uh, communities. And so with the uh, partners that God has brought my way, we then started um, this housing estate, a housing estate that is affordable housing that the refugees can uh, rent and perhaps also buy. 
Um, and along with that, in this uh, housing estate, there is an elder care center. Uh, there is a, a vocational training center. And what we hope to do is to train uh, nurses in this vocational center. And then when they graduate, they can become nurse aides to help in this elder care center. And this whole project is, uh, is quite big. And But what's beautiful about it is that it will be self-sustaining, financially self-sustaining, uh, because the type of work that we do to help, uh, you know, in alleviation of poverty or uh, seeing to the marginalized, marginalized groups like that, it, it requires a lot of finances. And we don't want to be burdening the church all the time uh, with donations. And so one way we get around this is by setting up enterprises that are profit-generating, and parts of those profits can be used for the purpose of helping and serving the poor. Yeah, uh, so keep that in prayer. I've been away now for uh, almost two years away from Penang, and I hope to go back and, uh, and, and to reconnect with a lot of the uh, things that we're doing. And, and so keep us in prayer. Uh, it is still a very tenuous, um, I would say, maybe even dangerous situation uh, for health and all that in Malaysia. Plus, a lot of people have gone down uh, the poverty line in a big way and uh, crime is going up and things like that. So keep us in prayer. Yeah. Okay. So this morning, I want to talk about God in our disruptions. Let me share my screen. Uh I believe that's the way it is, right? I'm sharing my screen. Okay. Uh, I have to, you know, guys, I'm so terrible at doing these things. Okay, I trust you can see all that. And what I want to share about in, in this moment of disruption that we are going through through COVID and also perhaps even disruptions in your own life um, is how we discern God's purposes in them, um, not only discern, but perhaps you say divinely discern. Uh, to divinely discern means to look at disruptions from God's perspective, not just our perspective and trying to make sense of it, but from the perspective of heaven and, and, and to see what God is up to. And as we do that, then we can also align ourselves to new uh, revelations, new possibilities that God might be leading us into. Okay, so that's the plan today. And I want to read from uh, Acts chapter 10 later, and, and we'll be reading the entire chapter. So a lot of the time will be taken to do that. And Pastor Lab has graciously given me more than 30 minutes. All right. So disruptions are basically the interruptions that happen to our expectations. These are the disturbances that happen to our uh, expectations. You see, we expect something in our lives to play out a certain way. Uh, we have a certain expectation about how our plan is supposed to unfold. Uh, but then things don't necessarily turn out that way. Okay, and so these are disruptions. And so disruptions are those disturbances that derail the expected narratives that we play out in our heads. Perhaps you enter into a new endeavor. You... Uh, start a new job, perhaps, or you start a new enterprise and you expect things to go down a certain pathway in your head. You have certain expectations, but things don't turn out that way necessarily. Uh, what do we do, right? And talking about the COVID uh, pandemic that we're in, 
It's disrupted our lives in major ways. Uh, what are we supposed to do? Now, the thing, the, the reason I want to address this is because many times Christians tend to view God as the one who is supposed to prevent disruptions in our lives or to remove disruptions in our lives. Uh, something in our theology, perhaps, that we have uh, read scripture uh, in such a way, like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, even not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him uh, or submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. And the way we interpret that is, God, if I follow you, I do certain things uh, in a way that I, um, that, that I feel is the right way to do, then you are supposed to bless me and make my path straight. Uh, and you will remove all these uh, disruptions, um, these interruptions, disturbances to that plan. And that's your job. And my job is to just faithfully obey you. Uh, you know, we, we tend to think in those terms, but you know that life is not that simple. Uh, it is not so simplistic. Life is not so formulaic, yeah? Um, and so, you know, uh, talking about Penang, um, just about three days ago, um, I have a person on the ground there, uh, a wonderful lady who helps us there. And um, three days ago, she found out that her, uh, her son, who is about 31 years old, uh, passed away. And that has disrupted her life, disrupted, uh, you know, uh, all the plans ahead. And, and, and it's uh, so sad how things like that happen for someone who has given herself to serving uh, the refugees. And, um, and so it's very painful to have to think about these types of uh, life-changing disruptions. You know, uh, but the reason I'm saying this is life doesn't take on such a, a rosy path, isn't it? Um, sometimes we Christians tend to think if we just follow God in a certain way, then our lives will be a bed of roses, all sunshine and rainbows and all that. But the reality is that uh, life is not so simplistic. Yeah, and so we need to understand um uh, how to make sense of all these disruptions from God's perspective and what can we do in alignment that will continue to bring us into a life of hope, okay? Uh, disruptions come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, like I mentioned, you know, the, this COVID disruption it came so quickly, so unexpectedly and affected, effect, affected us all in big and small ways, uh, you know, uh, churches cannot meet and things like that. And I'm glad uh, Vietnam has uh, begun to open up. Uh, you know, that I think a lot of people are, are just dying uh, a different way, right? You don't die from the COVID, but you die from a lot of other uh, side effects of that uh, pandemic. Um, I think about Myanmar. Uh, up till February this year, uh, things were going in a wonderful way for the country e economically. They had new freedoms. Uh, politically, things looked different. And then all of a sudden in February, uh, there was that military coup and and the progress that they've made, you know, uh, three steps forward, they've gone like five steps back. And, um, and added to that, the COVID pandemic has also uh, killed 
you know, many people have died through that. So it's very sad and tragic. Uh, entire societies, families, uh, relational interactions have been all affected. And I can say in this pandemic, uh, every person on this planet has been affected. Every single person, I believe, has been affected in big or small ways, direct ways or indirect ways. Yeah, um, And so the reality is that also sometimes God is the one who orchestrates disruptions. And, and that's a whole nother big topic. You know, we're not going to discuss today whether God uh, is the cause of disruptions or he's supposed to remove disruptions. We're going to take it from the position that disruptions happen in life. And what do we make out of it? Okay, uh, I'll leave Pastor Lap to, you know, to, to, to discuss that whole big theological topic of theodicy where, uh, you know, we try to make sense of how a good God sometimes appears to be behind uh, things that doesn't appear to be so good. And also my message today, the reason I want to read the whole of Acts chapter 10 is also to give you a biblical perspective, some biblical handles. Uh, and I want scripture to speak to you and for, for me to just be a little guide into what uh, scripture is teaching us. Um, so I'm not I've stayed away from these prescriptive types of messages, meaning here guys are seven steps to success. If you want success in your life, follow the seven steps. So uh, here, church, are three keys to uh, a beautiful marriage. And you follow these three, your marriage should be fantastic. I've stayed away from those types of things. I know life is too complex, too difficult. I, I just, but nonetheless, Scripture guides us, yeah? Um, not in that simplistic one, two, three steps, but in a way that invites God into our lives, uh, strengthens our relationship with Him, gives us some milestones and guidelines, but what we hold on to is God Himself, not necessarily the keys that we think will lead us to success. Okay, so I hope that as we go through this message today, that your uh, love relationship with God will grow deeper and that uh, through, you know, your obedience to God uh, would also be... Uh, uh, be, be more uh, reinforced so that you enjoy God in the deepest way possible. All right? So regardless of whether God orchestrates or removes uh, disruptions, disruptions are a part of life and God is present in those dis disruptions. And so uh, in that uh, scriptures that we'll read today, we want to discern God's purposes and align to new possibilities. Um, so looking at disruptions in the Old Testament, there are some very big ones that we can find. Um, the story of Israel moving out of Egypt, okay? They were slaves in Egypt for 400 years from the time of Joseph uh, when he brought everybody from Canaan into Egypt because uh, there was famine in where they were, the Israel, um, you know, Jacob uh, was living and so the whole family came to Egypt. But in Egypt, they were slaves and for four, over 400 years. And in a miraculous way, God raised up Moses to be this man who would take the people of God out of Egypt into the promised land. And so Moses began this amazing endeavor of moving a million plus people out of Egypt. 
and God uh, saved them in a miraculous way. Okay, the ten plagues that uh, came upon uh, Egypt, the the captors, and how in a miraculous way they crossed the Red Sea. But you know what? When they after they crossed the Red Sea, even though it was such a wonderful, fantastic miracle, they ended up in the desert. And in the desert, they didn't have food, they didn't have water, and they began to uh, complain. So there was a major disruption uh, to this original plan that they expected, right? They wanted um, a, a continuation of this amazing, miraculous journey, but it didn't that happen that way. Their plans were disrupted. There was no food, no water in the, in, in the desert. And they said to God, this wasn't the plan. I, life is not supposed to be difficult. This journey wasn't supposed to be that difficult. We didn't sign up for this. And you hear the complaints, right? If we had known this God, we would have stayed in Egypt, something like that. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, now this complaining uh, led to despair, isn't it? Yeah. This, um, uh, that they couldn't see beyond the hopelessness of their condition. Uh, and, and then they just uh, began to, uh, get disappointed, complain, uh, leading to despair, and then finally to uh, rebellion against God. And, and um, God had to, uh, you know, punish these people. They were wandering in the desert for 40 years until that entire unbelieving generation passed away. That was a major disruption, okay? If you were one of those in that generation, you would have been disrupted. You expected expecting to enter the promised land, but all you had was a life in the desert, okay? Uh, but you think about Pharaoh, uh, 10 plagues um, that the, the nation experienced in, in incredible ways, but yet Pharaoh uh, doggedly persisted. He refused to consider what God was up to in the disruptions in his life in Egypt, and he persisted in his own plans, Okay? So what I'm saying to you is that uh, when we face disruptions, don't only look at it from your perspective. A divine perspective means looking from God's perspective, what he is up to, what he might be saying. And then how about uh, another uh, major disruption when Jerusalem was attacked the first time, right? The Babylonians attacked uh, Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, that was 586 uh, BC, about 600 years before the time of Christ. Um, if, you were, if you were a Jew living at that time, you would, your, your entire life would be disrupted, uh, meaning that you'd be, your entire faith would be disrupted. How can this be the God who's supposed to protect us, the God who's supposed to make his promises come true for his people? Yeah. Uh, how can this be the, not only the city, the temple, the very place where the presence of God is, is destroyed? It will be shaken. Is there a God? What kind of a God is this? This was a, a severe disruption. Yeah. Um, although there were prophetic types of things that happened through Jeremiah, and this was the result of the disobedience of people, they forget all that basically. Yeah, and, and just look to God as the one who, um, you know, that they began to wonder about. And, um, and, and, I, and I know that at that time, uh, a lot of people probably would be uh, devastated uh, emotionally in their faiths and all that. Uh, happened again a second time 
the, the second temple was rebuilt. Jerusalem grew again, right? We know that. But then AD 70, even Jesus himself uh, prophesied not a single stone of that temple will, be, will remain. And, and that's true again. The Romans attacked uh, Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, right? And, and again, the Jews went through this severe disruption. It was not until 1948 or so that the nation of Israel formed again. Um, the fact is that God was in all those disruptions. He may not have caused them. People may have caused these disruptions upon themselves as a, as, and as a natural cons- consequence. There would have been perhaps a judgment that came upon them. Uh, but we know that God allowed these disruptions and he was present in them. And so when we look at our own disruptions in life today, whatever you might think about in your life that, is, that has been disrupted, know that God is present in those disruptions, that God is in those disruptions. And so with that, I want to read now um, Acts chapter 10. And to me, this passage of Scripture is one of the most astounding uh, in all of Scripture. Yeah, um, It's about how God directs in disruptions. It's not quite the same kind of disruption that we have uh, I have mentioned earlier, but it's a disruption none, nonetheless. And Acts 10 to me is a major historical milestone in the development of Christianity. If not what for what happened in Acts chapter 10, uh, we would probably not be here today as followers of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, have you thought about how uh, unusual, strange, or even absurd it is that? We as Asian Christians today, um, we are followers of a Jewish man who believed that uh, and claimed that he was God. That's who Jesus uh, was, right? Uh, Jesus was the Jewish Messiah that even the Jews up till today don't believe in. Uh, We read the Old Testament And the Old Testament is basically the ancient religious texts of the Jews. They were written for the Jews. And yet here we are, Asian Christians, claiming those promises for ourselves. Uh, To me, if you take a step back, that can be a little absurd, a little strange. Uh, It's ironic. Uh, And even in my life, I think I probably know more about uh, Jewish history uh, biblical history than I know about Chinese history or Indonesian history. Uh, and, and that's how, you know, uh, because uh, being Christian has formed my entire life in that sense, right? But I, I cannot be that way if not for Acts chapter 10. And you can't be that way if not for Acts chapter 10. So this is that monumental historical pivot that resulted in how Gentiles uh, became followers of Jesus Christ. That Christianity was not only for the Jews, but it's also for the whole world. All right. Uh, now it's a pretty long passage, and I and again I want to give um, you know this public reading of Scripture uh, the anchor into what I say today, uh, so that uh, we turn to God uh, for our uh, for our guidance, and we let me hold on. Yeah, let me. Put this up. All right. So as we read Acts chapter 10, think about how we can divinely discern God's purposes and how we can align uh, courageously to new uh, revelation and new 
possibilities. Um, just a bit of, um, you know, uh, geography here. So Caesarea is the north of Joppa. Okay, you can see that. And there are many Caesareas actually. Uh, Caesarea is basically a city that was built by the Romans, of course, because they give this homage to Caesar. Um, and from Caesarea to Joppa is about 62 kilometers. So it is an overnight journey in that sense. Okay, so this gives you an idea about uh, uh, the story as it plays out. And Joppa, by the way, is um, um, the same city that, um, what's his name? The guy who got eaten by the, by the big fish, Jonah, right? He, he went here, I guess. And, and uh, today, Joppa is still around. It's called Jaffa, right? And I know Lab has been there probably, and so have I. And, and so this is the historical setting, uh, the geographical setting of that place, all right? So I will now read Acts chapter 10. I will stop sharing here. Um, I don't know if the church wants to screen that, but, if, but I don't have it on my slide. So, so please, if you can open your Bibles, I'm reading from the NIV. And... Um, uh, if you, if the church wants to show it, I guess you have to screen it yourself. Preparing my throat, this is going to be quite a long passage. Okay, so Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion that was known as the Italian regiment. So, so this Cornelius is a commander of about a thousand uh, people or so in the Italian regiment. Now, Cornelius and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Can I just pause there for a minute? Uh, so Cornelius had this vision, and in this vision, he, there was an angel who spoke to him. A vision is basically like a dream, but you're not sleeping, all right? And so in this uh, vision... This angel said to him, your prayers and gifts to the poor have uh, come up as a memorial offering before God. Meaning that God saw and recognized um, and even acknowledged the kindness, the compassion that uh, Cornelius had for the poor. Okay, and, and I want to highlight this because sometimes in our Christian theology, especially the evangelical, the Reformed tradition, uh, there is this thinking that there's no point in doing any good because all our good deeds are like filthy rags before God. And this is a guy, a Roman official, not a Christian, and God recognized the good deeds that he did and acknowledged that and, and, and uh, responded almost right to his compassion for the poor. Um, in verse 5, the angel said again, Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the tanner 
whose house is by the sea. And so this angel gave a very uh, uh, precise, the, the, the specific, specific kinds of instructions, all right? It says, um, send your man to go to the house of Simon the Tanner. But don't bring Simon the Tanner. In Simon the Tanner's house, there's another man called Simon who is called Peter. Now, I want you to bring that guy uh, to you, to your house, all right? And, and so uh, this is a pretty precise uh, you know, message in this vision. And you see the, the importance of this also in that it's repeated a few times. Now, uh, verse 7, uh, when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Now, while they were coming, okay, uh, going to Joppa, uh, this is the second part of it that's happening uh, on Peter's end. Now, verse 9, about noon the following day, as they, those three men, were on their journey and approaching the city, uh, the city of Joppa, Peter went on the roof to pray. He was staying in the house of Simon the Tanner, and he went to the roof of that house to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. He told God, I am a law-abiding Jew. I don't eat impure, unclean animals. Yeah? Uh, the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. And while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the man sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. Uh, they called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the man, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? And the man replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him uh, to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the man into the house to be his guest. So you see what's happening here. The Holy Spirit was doing one thing in Cornelius' house in Caesarea and then doing another thing in uh, Simon the Tanner's house through uh, Simon Peter uh, in Joppa, all right? And so uh, he, he, this is the, the orchestration that's been happening behind the scenes. And so the next day, Peter started out with these men and some of the brothers from Joppa went along uh, the following day, he arrived in Caesarea. This is where Cornelius' house was. Cornelius was expecting them and called together his relatives and close friends. 
And as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him stand up, um, get up, stand up, he said, I'm only a man myself. And taking with him, Peter went, uh, sorry, talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, oh, you are all aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me, God has revealed to me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask, why have you sent for me? And Cornelius answered, Four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you and immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with them. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. But they killed him by hanging him on a tree. Uh, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people, to testify that he's the one God has appointed as the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes and receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, the Jews there, yeah, who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone uh, keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. I don't know about you, but as I read that, my, my goosebumps come up at how uh, God did, did that amazing uh, orchestration of events. Um, and that was all in his plan of bringing the Gentiles into his kingdom. Okay, and so we see here how we can then discern God's uh, purposes uh, and plans and how he uh, many times orchestrates events, right, in disruptions uh, to, to, uh, to bring out to, to his will, his purposes. 
So I just want to share very quickly in the next uh, five minutes, 10 minutes or so, um, just a few points, uh, two observations and two applications, all right? We see how God is ahead of the disruption. Yeah, God is present in that disruption, yeah, of, uh, of, of messing with Peter, who is a Jew, and telling him, uh, you can eat all these animals, all right, these unclean animals, yeah. Um, and so when God is in the disruption, we acknowledge God's presence in our disruptions. Let's be curious and open to try and understand what God might be up to. Instead of trying to say, God, change, remove this disruption, put my life back on track, perhaps we should consider that the disruption uh, has, a, has a part to play in how God wants to redirect our lives. And so we must be curious and open. And so we see the posture of Peter. He was wondering about the meaning of the vision. He was thinking about the vision. And he asked those people, why have you come? So there was that openness on the part of Peter. He did not reject and dismiss the vision just because it was something that he found as a Jew so objectionable and so offensive. Okay, He continued uh, to, uh, to wonder. And, and so this is what I'm saying. A narrow mind and heart will not ponder, cannot ponder on the new things that God might be up to. We have a fixed idea about how God should work and we demand that God work in that certain way. No, in disruptions, we must be open. Yeah, don't be like the Jewish leaders who expected the Messiah to come in a certain way and if Jesus, who claims to be Messiah, didn't fit into their plan, they reject him. Yeah, um, There is this, this misplaced sense of faithfulness that led the Jewish leaders to kill Jesus, yeah? Um, but can you imagine if Peter here was close-minded? He said, no way this vision is from God. A God who gave the law would not contradict himself, would not contravene himself, therefore this is not of God. Be gone, Satan, you know? Uh, no, he wondered what might God be up to. And so this open posture is very crucial in disruption. Uh, the next point is in disruption, this observation that we have is that uh, disruption is uncomfortable, okay? Uh, disruptions forces us to challenge our dearest beliefs and practices, yeah? Um, like Peter was saying, as a, as a good Jew, uh, how can he, you know, eat unclean animals, yeah? But, he, but then, you know, when disruptions come in our lives, we must also uh, challenge ourselves um, you know, these beliefs that I have, these practices that I've had, how did I come to believe this? Why have I come to practice it? Yeah, um, because sometimes these disruptions go to the very core of our identity. Yeah, and it went to the very core of, uh, you know, Peter's identity as a Jew. Kill and eat, never. Uh, and it is an affront to Peter, who's a faithful Jew, to eat pork, you know, or to kill a pig. Yeah, it challenged his, uh, his, his entire uh, identity as a Jew. And even going to the house of Cornelius, that is against the Jewish law. Yeah? So he did many things that was so-called illegal under the Jewish law. Okay? But in spite of the discomfort, he tried to understand where God is in them. Yeah? Even if it challenge his dearest 
beliefs and practices. And so that leads me to uh, my next point is that when we find ourselves in disruptions, we must reflect courageously. Yeah, What beliefs and practices require rethinking? Yeah, um, oops, sorry. Um, and so we see here, you know, like I said, that voice that came from heaven uh, seemed to be uh, asking Peter to do something uh, wrong. Yeah, to do something wrong. But then Peter had to think about it in a very courageous way. Yeah, it was not just simply... Uh, rejecting it, yeah. Even th though there were clear commands, he then tried to understand the deeper meaning about it. Perhaps God is not talking about literally eating those animals. He's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles and how the Gentiles are welcome into the kingdom. Okay, and so um, you know, you. I hope you appreciate that uh, struggle in which Peter experienced in the discomfort and how to, when you, to overcome this discomfort, he needed to be courageous. And so he thought about it. He reflected about it. He, he listened to what the people around him were saying. He invited Cornelius's, um, uh, you know, servants into his house and listened to them. So be open to possibilities that perhaps all ways of doing things have no more place for the future. Perhaps sometimes old and new cannot coexist. Yeah. Um, and so uh, what we find is that Peter began to reflect on these things. And beyond reflecting on, upon it, he also began to align uh, to the new things uh, that require for him to embrace. Right. And so we see Peter saying, I now realize there is an epiphany, you know, how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation uh, the one who fears him and does what is right. And in fact, what he's saying uh, as well is that, um, you know, this thing that I thought was new was not really new, okay? Uh, because, oops, uh, I let me go back to this. Uh, was not really new because all the prophets of the past have already testified about, about Jesus, yeah, about this, uh, including the Gentiles into the kingdom, and that everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So even though it is new to him, it is actually something that is from of old that he just didn't realize. What Peter thought was revolutionary was actually God's plan all along. He just hadn't seen it. And you know what? This became the defining moment of the church, of the history of the church. And from that time forward, uh, from that revelation on, from that epiphany, the future direction and traction of Christianity took on an entirely unforeseen trajectory. Christianity today is overwhelmingly the religion of the Gentiles. There is only, uh, to this day, a very minority, very few Jewish followers of Jesus. And so we see this wonderful plan of God, the Gentiles being welcomed to his kingdom. And it's no big deal for us today because it's all after the fact and history, okay? But for the Jewish followers of Jesus at the time, it was the biggest deal. The Pharisees, like I mentioned just now, who struck to tradition in a misguided way, a misguided sense of faithfulness, could not even recognize Jesus as Messiah. 
and, and definitely not uh, about uh, inviting Gentiles into the kingdom of God. So you, but you know what? You cannot just run around like a loose cannon saying, I've got this new revelation from God and this is what I'm doing now and all that. Even Peter realized what he's finding as new is actually from of old. It's something that God had wanted all along. It's just he didn't know about it, right? And so we read also in Acts chapter 11 and how Peter uh, spoke about these things with the other um, apostles and they all came to some sort of conclusion. And we know later on that it was the apostle Paul who became the apostle to the Gentiles. And this is what Paul said in Galatians 2. For God who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, now Peter remained an apostle to the Jewish people, but he knew that even he was uh, you know, mainly to the Jews that the Gentiles are welcome, right? And says well, that God was also at work in Paul as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, Cephas is Peter or Simon Peter, and John, those esteemed as pillars gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, and they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. You know, this verse 10 strikes me again. In this pivotal moment where the trajectory of Christianity uh, pivoted, right, and took on a different, uh, you know, direction to the Gentiles, the one thing that they mention here is for Christians to remember the poor, both Jews and Gentile Christians, that they remember the poor, the very thing I've been eager to do all along. I, I just, when I read this, my heart just begins to wonder is there something in our expression of Christianity in church that might have gone wrong if we don't care for the poor? If all we care is about our meetings and how we do on Sundays, uh, how meetings and all that come along, yeah, whether we have meetings or not, um, but what are we doing to care for the poor that God himself cares about? And so, yeah, so these are the things that I, I thought, you know, we could learn from uh, you know, the passage that we read, uh, this pandemic is clearly a disruption for the church, for you, for your life, but it is also a defining moment. And so we must think uh, about what new things that God might have installed for you or for the church, what new opportunities, new possibilities might God have created in the disruption. And we cannot just go into this head on mindlessly. We must reflect and we must make adjustments. And so I believe that disruptions, God is in all of them. doesn't matter whether he caused them or you caused it or other people caused it. Uh, yeah, In whatever disruption, uh, God is in them. He is present and is inviting you into new things, new favor, new grace, new power, new ventures. Yeah, And so I'm so excited in, in all this um, that, you know, the work in Penang that we have undertaken is, is really uh, something new. It's a different way of what you might want to see as missions. Yeah, it's using business enterprises as a means of serving the poor. And through serving the poor, we want to see transformation that happens in their lives, a holistic transformation that includes, of course, a spiritual transformation, um, but also includes the physical and the social aspects of transformation. And so I'm really uh, thankful, yeah, um, that in this uh, part of my life, you know, I'm in this last third of my life, 
And God has given this for me an expression of using what I've done in business last time and what I've done in ministry and kind of combining the two and expressing in a new way. And I don't think that would have happened in in in, in a very anchored way if not for this uh, disruption I've ex- experienced uh, in the last 18 months. And you know, guys, I, I'm sharing this because I never felt more certain about God's direct direction and leading in my life. And it is so full of hope. And I'm ready to like Peter walk on water, you know, uh, uh, like Peter, you know, he asked, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come out, walk on the water. You know, and I've heard the words of Jesus, take courage song. It is I, don't be afraid, come. And I pray that you too can hear what Jesus is saying in your life, in the disruptions of your life and how you find him, his revelation uh, for your life. Okay, so amen. Uh, that's it for me. Let me just close in a quick word of prayer. Father, I pray for every person here in uh, New Life Fellowship, um, Ho Chi Minh City. I pray, God, that they will discern how you are present in disruptions, disruptions. and how they can embrace uh, disruptions, even though that can be very uncomfortable. And I ask you to give them the grace to discern courageously and to then align also courageously in the new opportunities, new possibilities, new things that you might want them to enter, and the old ways of thinking, the old practices and beliefs have no place anymore. So God, we don't want to do this in a loose way. We want to do this in the community of your people, and we ask you to bring people alongside us uh, to help us discern uh, correctly your leading and guidance. So we thank you for all this. Bless the church in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. In the name thank you, Lop. Thank, thank you, church. Thank song, for the word, for your passion uh, in responding uh, God's call and uh, share the word with us. And uh, uh, usually we're going to have uh, five minutes of reflection. And so right now, uh, church, uh, you spent a five minute of reflection, and then after that, I would like to pray. Uh, join me to pray for Pastor Song, and then we're going to have a few announcements. So right now, uh, church, please spend some time to uh, reflect on the Word, um, and you know uh, we don't want the Sunday after Sunday, the Word just uh, remain you know from one ear or, or just go through one ear to another ear and then uh, vaporize it in the air. Uh, so just, just take some time uh, to reflect on uh, just the, 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 the two observation and the two application. Uh, we all have our area of, uh, you know, a comfort zone. Uh, we also know, uh, you know, certain things that maybe God nurture you or just prompt you is something that we like to make adjustment, right? Uh, reflect, right? Uh, and then uh, uh, in our life, personal life, as life of family and community. So let's just go right, uh, right now into about our uh, time of reflection.
our Savior. You save our soul. You gave us life, eternal life, and eternal life begins here. And Lord, when our life on earth comes to an end, there's, there, there will be continue. We continue to live in your presence. But Lord, right now, our life full of disruption. Because the world, the fallen world that we live in, with disease, with sickness, with pain and suffering, with uncertainty, unpredictably, everything. Lord, things that we thought that we can be certain and then become, it's not very sure. And Lord, the only thing that we can be sure is that your word is going to last forever. And your plan, redemption of even the whole creation will come to an end someday. And Lord, right now, Lord, we are living this life as the recipient of a gospel, your word. But the gospel is in action and in power. It's just not on paper only. It, 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 uh, it lives out in our everyday life, you know, even our mundane, doing the mundane things as we call mundane, but it's important in the kingdom. And Lord, what are the new things that each of us requires embracing? Uh, as a church, we pray together, but Lord, may it boil down to each of the person that feel and respond to your call. And the mission field can be right in their workplace in the factory, in school, in offices, in the community. And Lord, I just pray the Spirit continue to speak to your people, direct your people as the way that we read the passage in Acts chapter 10. That Lord, in even our, our firm foundation, we believe that you are the living God, therefore you still speak today. And not because that we cannot hear an audible voice from heaven. That's the whole purpose we have, the scripture and the Bible, so that we can hear your voice daily. And Lord, may none of us live this light on this planet business as usual until the day we go to heaven. We want to pray and then in a small way or a medium way or a big way, or however, how, whatever the human's going to view, but it's always big in you, Lord, when we simply act our ob obedience into whatever that you call each of us. Collectively, as a community, as the body of Christ, Lord, we want to see your hands going to work in each of our church member vocation as they go about beginning Monday. Everyone, we should learn to thank God it's Monday. It's T-G-I-M. And we also thank God it's Friday and thank God it's Saturday and Sunday. But we thank you, Lord, that your mercy is new every day and your grace is amazing every time. And Lord, and your love is wonderful every day. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray.
Thank you for listening. We pray that you and your family are encouraged by this message. Join us next time and do click the follow button on our profile page to stay up to date with the latest message. God bless you.